church. Good morning and welcome to Riverside. So glad all of you are here today. What a joy it is to gather in this place and to worship together. Man, it's so good to see everyone. I'm so glad you are here today. Today we're starting a new series and today it's called Something Bigger. And just so you know, not only are we beginning a new series today, we're also beginning a capital campaign today. Some of you knew that already. Some of you maybe you didn't know that. And all of you probably when you hear that, you might get a little bit nervous anytime the church talks about money, people get a little uncomfortable, right? So let me, why don't we just start and let me just address some of the tension that, that might be in the room today when you hear that we're starting a capital campaign. And I want to say a couple things just from the very beginning. And first I want to say this to any of you who maybe, maybe you're visiting for the first time or, or you're our guest, maybe you've been here a few times, you're not quite sure yet if you want to make Riverside your church home, your church family. Hey, first thing, welcome. Really glad you were here. And I really do hope you'll stick around long enough to find what so many of us have found, that this place, these people, it really is more than just a church. This is a, a faith family that you can belong to and be a part of. We're striving to really love each other well. We're not perfect. We don't do that perfectly, but we're striving to, to be more than a church, to really be a faith family that cares for one another. And we would love, love, love for you to be a part of the family of God here at Riverside. I want you to know this series is for you, okay? The series is for you. The expectation to give is for our members, but the series is still for you. And you may wonder, well, why is this series for me? Well, that's because if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus, then, then at some point in that journey of faith, you've got to figure out how to grow in generosity and giving. And any teaching about giving and generosity it's got to be rooted in discipleship. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It's this calling on our, all of our lives to live lives of sacrificial giving. This is what we learned at the cross, right? This is what we learned that, that anyone who chooses to be a follower of Jesus has to, has to learn what it means to live a generous life, to live a life of uncommon generosity, to live a life of sacrificial giving. This is how we grow as disciples of Jesus. If you are a member of this church, I want you to know something as well. That, that while there is an expectation for you to give, there's no pressure. And you may not hear any other preacher in any other church doing a capital campaign anywhere in the world ever say that, but I want you to hear me say that. Like Riverside is okay. God has provided for us and we are, we are doing just fine. I, I want you to give. I want to invite you to give. I want to challenge you to give, but it's not because I want something from you or the elders of this church want something from you. To be honest, it's quite the opposite. We want something for you. And what we want for you is what we want for us. We want to grow in our faith. And giving is one of the most practical and proven ways for people, for the people of God specifically, to grow in faith. The bottom line is you truly can never grow in your faith if you never learn to rely on and depend on God. If you never step out in faith in some way, to rely on, depend on God, you'll just simply never grow in your faith. And if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus, I want to just invite you and encourage you to think about trusting God and just seeing what happens. And I want to begin today with this question, okay? What if, what if we believed in the God who says that he can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine? What if we took God at his word and we believe that this is true, that our God is the God who can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine? It's my belief 
that God has already done that in this place. And I want to I share why I believe that just by sharing a bit of Riverside's story with you, our history. I shared this a couple of years ago, but I want to share it again because I think it's important as we, as we prepare to look forward to what could be to where God might take us, to where he might lead us as we just sang. I think it's also important to look back and to remember where we came from and how God has brought us to where we are today. And in so many ways... Like Riverside as a church, we've been here in Coppell for some 35 years, but in so many ways, this church began back as early, you could argue as early as 1927. Back in 1927, think about this, there was a preacher by the name of J.M. Jones who started a tent meeting in Dallas. You remember those big tent revivals? Like I would have loved to have been there for this. There was a big tent revival in Dallas. J.M. Jones was preaching. And out of those tent meetings, a church was born, the Thurston and Anson Church of Christ. And in 1936, they built their very first building. And some of you know, uh, you know, Irby and Diane Bennett, Irby's mom, Miss Bonnie Bennett, who just passed away a few years ago, or not, more reason than that. She was married in that building, right? And, and we love that family and we love what Miss Vani has meant to this church, meant to this church for so many years. Ten years later, a new church plant was being discussed. And in 1946, the Northwest Church of Christ was built on Guilford Avenue. And that church was planted by members of the Thurston and Anston Church who had started meeting in the home of Olin Kitchens. And if you know Bruce and Deborah Kitchens, members here, they were here earlier this morning. That's their family tree, right? Eight years later, now it's 1950. 52, those two churches come together, they merge and they become one church, the Love-Filled Church of Christ. Then in 1962, they merged with another church, the Chapel Hill Church of Christ and became the Northside Church of Christ. And if your brain is starting to like melt right now because of all these churches that are coming together and planting and doing different things, it's okay. What I want you to see, what I want you to take away from all this is how God is moving in this city and in those days. In, in a very real and tangible way to bring us to where we are today. Fast forward to the late 70s, early 80s, Dallas is growing by leaps and bounds. Up here in the north part, it's just exploding. We're growing exponentially. And there's a decision made in the leadership of three different churches to, to start a new church here in this area to reach people for Christ. There wasn't a church here. We need a church there. The Northside Church said, we're going to take the lead in this effort. And they made, they made some incredibly bold decisions and they gave sacrificially because they wanted to see the mission of God move forward here in this place. So now it's Sunday night, 1987, the middle of the summer. And there's a worship gathering and a planning meeting taking place in today what is known as New Tech High School. How many of you guys know New Tech High School? Back in those days, it was Richard Lee Elementary School. And that night, they announced at that worship gathering that there would be a new church starting here in Capella. And a short time after that, Riverside met for the very first time in the shopping center over on Denton Tap. And if you hang around here long enough, some of you have heard this already, you'll hear people talk about the shopping center days. A short time after that, ground was broken right here on September 13th, 1987. And for the very first time, people gathered in this building, in this room, to worship Jesus. And here's what's cool. You probably didn't know this when you woke up this morning and when you came to church today. But today, not only are we kicking off a capital campaign because we're excited about the future, today, like this weekend, we are celebrating 35 years as a church. 
Not only that, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary of the instrumental worship that we started one year ago this weekend. Can we give God praise for all of that? Yeah. I don't know about you, it's exciting to look back and to see how God was working through all of that history. And there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of twists and turns. But God used all of that and worked in all of that and through all of that to bring us to where we are today. And if you ask me, I think we are poised right now for even greater things, for even greater things. From the very beginning of like this church, we have been known, you have been known as a people of uncommon generosity who give sacrificially, who love our neighbors in our community well, who serve each other in love and have a desire to reach the city and the world for Christ. Ask anybody in our community and if they know of our church at all, what they know about our church is that we are a loving church, a giving church, a serving church. People know that we love our first responders. They know that we love our teachers and our schools. People know that this is a place that loves families and children. We are known as a church in this community as people who love and serve and give generously. And I am so thankful for that. But as I think about all of that history and all that's brought us up to this moment today, here's the question that's just burning a hole in my mind and my heart and my soul. And I wonder what you would think about this. How will we be known 35 years from today? I can only imagine if we could rewind and go back 35 years in history, talk to some of those first people in that tent meeting in Dallas, they could have never imagined where Riverside is today. The number of lives we've been able to impact and touch, the number of places we've been able to, to reach and make a difference. They, would, they, they, they probably could have never conceived of all that's happened, all the good that's come out of the life and the heart and the ministry of this church. And I just wonder, What's going to be true 35 years from now because of your love, because of your generosity, because of your care and your concern, because of the difference that you want to make in this place, in this moment, in this world for the benefit of this church, for the spread of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and for the glory of the name above all names, the name of Jesus. So today, as we begin this series, and as we begin this campaign, I want to begin with the words of Jesus. If you have your Bibles or if you have the YouVersion Bible app, love to invite you to open up to Acts, the letter of Acts. This is, you may be thinking, I thought we were going to read the words of Jesus. We are. There's words of Jesus in Acts, and it's an unlikely place to find these words of Jesus. When you think about the red letters in your Bible, you probably think about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And yeah, Jesus had a lot to say there. But there's also some words of Jesus here in Acts. Acts was written by Luke, the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. That was his story of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And then Luke wrote a sequel to that letter called Acts. And this is the story of the first church in the first century. And as you read this story, Luke's story of the first church in the first century, what you discover very quickly is that this first church, these Jesus followers, they were generous people who often gave sacrificially to meet the needs of, of their own community and the needs of people in their community. They were a people who loved well and gave well and lived sacrificial lives for the sake of others. And at this point in the story, in Acts chapter 20, Luke is telling the story of the apostle Paul and how he's getting ready 
ready to leave uh, Ephesus, to leave the, the, the elders and the church of Ephesus. Paul had lived there for some three years. He had started this church. He loved this church. He loved these elders, these people so deeply and so dearly. He's saying goodbye. He's not going to see them again. This is the last time he's going to see these people that he loves so much. Tears are shed, hugs are exchanged. You know, he's saying his final goodbyes. And I want you to hear what Paul says in this final address to these people that he dearly loved and cared for. In Acts 20, verse 33, Paul says, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine, they've worked hard to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Now, what you may or may not know about the Apostle Paul is that he was brilliant, okay? Um, he was on his way to becoming a leading Pharisee in the city of Jerusalem, which meant he was on his way to living a life of abundance and a life of comfort. And then one day, if you know the story, Paul meets Jesus. Paul had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life for the rest of his life. And he decided to give his life to Christ and to follow the way of Christ and to preach and to share and to spread the message of the good news of God revealed at the cross of Christ. And so Paul goes, he becomes a missionary for God. And he goes all over the known world telling everyone he can about Jesus and planning churches and starting churches and doing incredible things, right? Because of that, Paul had to depend on the generosity of other Christians to support his life and to support his ministry. But Paul says right here, he says, you know, I never coveted, I never wanted for anything that anybody else had. And I worked hard with my own hands. Like he was the first preacher with a side hustle, right? He, he worked hard to provide for himself, but don't miss this, also to provide for those who were with me. He decided to give his life to something better, to something bigger. And he was willing to work hard to provide for his needs and also for the needs of those who were with him, for the needs of others. And don't miss this. There's an incredible freedom that comes when you work hard to provide for your necessities. And then you're able to use the rest to bless. Several years ago, I was... Um, I was asked by a friend to, to, come, to come join a, a small group of guys who was getting together. His son was turning 13. He wanted some men to speak into his son's life. And he'd asked another one of my friends to talk uh, about finances. We all had been given a topic to speak into this young man's life. And I'll never forget what, what, what my friend said. He and his wife, they had two teenagers. They lived on one income. Money was a little bit tight. But, but he, he told this, this young man, he said, hey, I want you to know what our family does. Me and my wife, we decided from the very beginning, we're going we're gonna to have a, a budget every month. And for us, we always, first thing, we give to church. That's our, the first thing we do. We set aside money to give back to God, to give to the church. He said, the second thing we do, though, is we set aside a little, a little more money, not much, but a little money every month. And, and that's, that's the money that we use to bless people when, when stuff comes up, because stuff always comes up. And whenever someone's in the hospital or somebody needs food or maybe, maybe we got somebody that needs a, a car repair or, you know, life has happened and something's gone wrong and they need a little bit of help or we want to send flowers or whatever. This is the money that we use every month. And if we don't use it one month, it builds up to the next month. But we always use it to bless somebody else. There's freedom that comes when you work hard to provide for your necessities, but then you use the rest 
to bless. And Paul wanted these men to know in this church some 2,000 years ago, he wanted them to understand he'd been blessed by this freedom. He wanted the church to live with the same freedom. And then he went on to share these words of Jesus with these elders. Paul says, you got to remember this. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Which I think is really interesting because as far as I know, these words aren't found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Like I can't tell you, hey, go look here and you'll see where Jesus said this. I have no idea when Jesus said this, where he said this, or who he said this to. My guess is this is one of those things that Jesus said so often to so many people in so many places, like everybody just knew, oh yeah, Jesus always said that. He was always reminding us. He was always teaching us. He was always telling us, hey, you got to remember the blessing is in the giving, not in the receiving. I know you feel blessed when you receive, but let me tell you, the blessing is found in the giving and not the receiving. And you know, so many of you know, it's true. It's so true. You've experienced this. So many of you, I know you, I know you've done this. You've given, you've given above and beyond what you thought you could give to help somebody else. And then you experienced on the back end of that, the blessing. You stepped out in faith. You did something you didn't think you could do. You gave more than you thought you could. It didn't make sense on paper. And, and by the way, just a little side note, if it doesn't make sense on paper, it's probably a good indicator that you're stepping into the land of faith, right? Like if it makes sense on paper, it probably doesn't require faith for you to do it or for you to give it or for you to say it. But if you step out in faith and it doesn't make sense on paper, it's probably a good sign that now you are stepping into an area where you've got to depend on God. You've got to rely on God. You've got to lean on God to do for you what you know you can't do on your own. Some of you have done that. You've taken God at his word and you've learned that God always provides whenever you step out in faith to bless, whenever you step out in love and give, what you experience is the blessing of God in your life. What you experience is a faith that is alive, a faith that grows. And it's counterintuitive, it's countercultural for sure. This is part of what it looks like to be inside the upside down kingdom of God because in God's economy, this is the way it works. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So what if like together we decided to believe that what Jesus said really is true? What if we decided together to give and to take God at his word? Some of you have asked, and it's a really good question, like why are we doing a campaign? And why are we doing it now? And, it, and it's, a, it's a really good question. And in a few minutes, Ron, Bauer, Carol, Polly, they're going to get up here and they're going to tell you more about the actual campaign. But let me just give you a, a couple of quick reasons. The first is this, because we want to grow in our faith. We want to grow as disciples of Jesus. And the simple truth is you can never grow in your faith if you never depend on God. The only way to grow in your faith is to, to, to put yourself in a position where you have an opportunity to be stretched, where you have an opportunity to rely on God. And this campaign, it gives us, a lot of us, an opportunity maybe we've never had before. And others, maybe an opportunity we haven't had in a long time to depend on God and to rely on God in ways that we haven't in the past or we haven't recently. The other reason is to be a thousand percent honest, we want to do more than ever before 
We want to do more to help more people than we ever have before. And I get really excited about thinking about the possibilities of what could happen if we came together to give more than ever before so we could do more than ever before to help more people than ever before. You know, we live in a world where, especially at churches, what we count are attendance and we count how much money is given. And I'll be honest, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be a part of a church that counts the number of changed lives. How many lives could be touched and changed through the ministry of this church? What would happen if we believed that this really is true, that our God is a God who does immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine? Or let me say it another way. What if we believe that our God is a God who does and can do something bigger than we could ask or imagine? Imagine this. So this campaign we're doing, we're looking at it through a a sort of a a three-year lens, 36 months, right? So just imagine what life would be like if in 36 months from now, in some ways it sounds like a long time, but in the grand scheme of things, that's a relatively short amount of time. What if over that time we became a debt-free church and now every dollar you give, every dollar we give goes to ministry and mission. I don't know about you, I can get really excited about that, about being a part of a church where every dollar we give, we can say with 100% confidence, it's going to ministry and mission. Not only that, think about this. Every year as a church, we have Harvest Sunday. Uh, what, What you may know already, and if you don't know, I want you to know that over the next three years, we won't have Harvest Sunday because that's built into this campaign because that's how important it is to this church. What if over the course of these next three years, we don't just fully fund Harvest Sunday? What if we overfund Harvest Sunday? What if we do 10%, 15%, 20% more than we've ever done to fund our ministries and our missions here locally and around the world? How many lives could we touch? How many lives could we be a part of changing with the good news of Jesus Christ? If we were able to put some resources and some dollars behind that desire to make an even bigger difference in this world for Christ. I can get really excited about that. I don't know about you, I can get really excited about that? What, what if we're, we, we don't just become a debt-free church? And what if, what if we're not just able to fully fund and overfund Harvest Sunday? I, I don't know about you, but, but at our house, there's always a project, you know, we've always got a, got a repair to make or, you know, something we want to update or renovate. Same is true here. You look around here long enough, you're going to see, eh, we probably need to fix that, update that, make that better, right? What if we were able to, to do that? so that this becomes a place where people feel safe and people feel welcome. What if we were able to create safe and welcoming spaces for people to come into this place and to have an encounter with Jesus? Hey, let me tell you something. And I know some of you know this because you're having conversations like I am. I, I have been reminded over and over again, especially over the last six months, there are so many people right here in this community who don't belong to a church. Maybe they did once upon a time, but they've been hurt by the church. Maybe they got out of the habit of going over, you know, COVID and they just haven't got back into it. Maybe there's another reason, but, but they don't have a church to belong to. What they need is someone to invite them. And chances are, if you invited them, they would probably come because they're looking for what you have. They want a faith family to belong to. They just don't know where to go. And they don't want to walk into a, a place where they don't feel safe. They don't want to walk into a place where they don't feel welcome. And they don't want to walk into a place where they don't know anybody. And so they need somebody to invite them. What if we were able to put some resources behind making this the kind of place you want to invite your friends to so when they come, they will feel safe. They will feel welcome. They will feel like they belong. I don't know about you. 
I can get really excited about what I think God could do over the next 36 months in us and through us and for us. But I also know God can do even more than I could ask, dream, or imagine. And I wonder what will happen. I wonder what's gonna happen 35 years from now when people look back on this moment. I wonder if this will be one of those landmark moments. Another, there'll probably be another person at that point, if I'm just being honest, standing on the stage, telling the story of Riverside. And I wonder if they'll be able to tell the story of what happened in 2022, when the church at that moment decided that they wanted to make a difference. That they wanted to be a people of uncommon generosity who gave sacrificially to do immeasurably more than they could ask, dream, or imagine. What if, what if? Church, if you would, let's stand. So this is what we believe. We say we believe, we want to believe this. We want to want to believe this, that our God is a God who can do infinitely more immeasurably more, something bigger than we could ever ask or imagine. So what if in these days we start asking, we started praying, we started imagining what God could do in us and through us? What if we took Jesus at his word? There really is more blessed to give than it is to receive. What if, what if? It's my prayer that we'll see God do some incredible things in these days as we lean in in faith. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power and work within us to accomplish infinitely more, immeasurably more, something bigger than we could ever ask or think or dream or imagine. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever world without end. Amen. Thank you.